Hey, everybody. Welcome to our podcast on success training on self-esteem. Dr. Greg Moody here, master instructor. I'm talking about uh, the second half of our self-esteem training. I hope you enjoyed the first half. If you didn't, you should watch that one first because we've got a lot of stuff that we covered there. And we'll review it a little bit here, but I think it was going to be very useful for you. And all of this comes from the book, The Life Skills of Leaders. Uh, we use this in our regular martial arts curriculum so that the, our leadership students in particular get advanced leadership training. And we practice this all the time. Over a two-month period, we're working on self-esteem, we're working on communication, we work on honesty, we work on all kinds of skills that are very important for fundamental growth so that students can be successful, whether that's at work, at school, or for our kids' students when they become adults. So let's get started. This is going to be part two. We're going to review this a little bit. What we did last time, we, we talked about um, self-esteem and that there were is a, there's a matrix of self-esteem where there's four areas. There's what you can do, and it's that you can do it, and whether you can't do it. This is actual capability. So whether, what your actual capability is on one side, and how you feel. And you can feel that you can do stuff, and feel that you can't do stuff. So the big thing in our last, at our last uh, podcast was, if you have a feeling that you can do something and you actually can do it, then we call that correct self-esteem. So that's normal, that's your capabilities. We'd also call that your capabilities. If you feel like you can't do something and you actually can't do something, so that's both of these two things, that is correct. Self, uh, that's um, correct low self-esteem. So this one correct high self-esteem. Okay, so correct high self-esteem and correct low self-esteem. Those are the two areas that you've got an appropriate understanding of yourself. Uh, you may feel not so good about the things you're not capable of. These are things you're missing. Or maybe they're capabilities you don't need to have. Maybe you don't need to speak French. That would be a missing capability that it's okay for us not to have. I don't, I don't feel bad about it. But if I'm going to France and I'm living in France for three years, after a year or so, you might have low self-esteem about your French capabilities. So that would be correct low self-esteem versus correct high self-esteem. It's about your capabilities. The two that cause people more trouble usually are when you can't do something, but you think you can. So that is false self-esteem. This is when somebody thinks they can do something, maybe they think they can jump off a building and land safely, but they can't, that would be a very negative consequence. That's a crazy example, but people do that. People do all kinds of things that they think they can do, but they can't. It's okay, it's okay to try new things, and we do want people to reach for the stars, and we want people to push themselves, 
but we, we need to understand where our limits are so that we can work towards achieving goals and have positive reinforcement for those achievements. Doesn't mean it's not okay to fail. That's not what we're talking about. Failure is okay because we're gonna learn something from it, but incorrectly believing that we're capable of something in a large way can have negative consequences. The other one is if I can do something, this one's kind of worse, can do something, but I feel like I can't, then I think that, uh, then I stop trying. I stop believing that I, stop believing in myself. And that's really our main definition of self-esteem is feeling great about myself. So this would be an example. We see this in martial arts all the time. I don't think I can really do that crazy stuff you guys do. I don't think I can be kick as high, or I don't think I can do those fancy things. What we really know is because we start people out at a beginning stage and we bring them along slowly, pretty much everybody can do martial arts. So they have an incorrect, this is an incorrect belief. Now, this one's an incorrect belief too, but we call that false self-esteem. So incorrect belief is I can do something, but I think I can't. And that holds people back in a lot of ways. So that's a really quick summary of what we talked about in our last podcast. Take a look at that one if you haven't. I think it's really valuable for people. So let's talk about the myths and um, truths about self-esteem. So myth, myth number one, that's what we're going to talk about today. Myth number one is that affirmations work. So affirmations are when you say to yourself, I feel great about myself about some particular topic. There was a guy in uh, Saturday Night Live uh, many years ago. He's named Stuart Smalley. Al Franken, who later became a senator, he was a congressman. Um, I, I think he was a senator. Anyhow, he was, uh, his, the actor was named Al Franken. That was his real name. But he played a character called Stuart Smalley. And he used to say, I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and doggone it, people like me. And he would say that in the mirror all the time. And people can create a false belief. They can create false self-esteem by doing affirmations all the time. Affirmations by themselves don't work. So this is one that is really tricky. They are great if you affirm the truth. So if you say, if you can't, um, if you aren't good at a math subject and you're in school and you feel really bad about that, the solution is to learn the math, not to do an affirmation about, yes, I'm good at math. Yes, I'm good at math. Or yes, I'm going to be good at this test. That's not going to help you, even though some people would prescribe that as do affirmations. So affirmations are only going to be good if you, um, if you believe in it. Um, if, you're, if you need to lose weight and you affirm, oh, I look um, now, it's okay if people are overweight and they don't have to lose weight. So we're not saying that people need to be negative about their body. But if you do have a goal to lose weight, but you say, oh, I'm, your affirmation is incorrect, that, oh, I'm skinny because that's your goal, that would be an incorrect affirmation. So people use affirmations wrong all the time. You want to affirm the truth. That's really important. We'll talk about that later. So there's a couple things that are really important. Now, myth number two is positive mental attitude. Having a positive mental attitude, that's one that really is used incorrectly all the, all the time. And again, it's very similar to the last one. It's a great idea to be positive, as long as you're realistic about what you're being positive about. So um, if you tell somebody something positive and somebody doesn't believe in that, like if you said, oh, you look really good today, but they've got 
their shirt's torn and they know that they look bad, they're probably going to give you a negative reaction. So being positive about things, as long as they're true or realistic is okay. But very many people are teaching being positive, even when things are not okay, then it ends up being insincere. So those two things are kind of related. Another myth is choice. Now this one is a really important one that we, uh, we have parents sometimes arguing with us about this. And for, I'll, I'll use the kid example first for this one because it's a little more, more obvious. So people never make the best choices. This is, I'll read this out because we've got some people listening on audio. Uh, until they have enough experience or knowledge to make a great choice. So giving people choice, a lot of times, well, I want to give my kid a choice on what they do. Um, but if you give your kid a choice, for example, of taking $5 now or $50 next week, what are they going to choose? A t uh, you know, a 10 times return on your money in one week, all of us would know from investing would be a great return. But the kids will always choose $5 now. Um, if they're asked for pizza or vegetables for dinner, what are they going to choose? So they're always going to choose what, they, what their um, short-term gain is. You know, and look, I, I might rather have pizza rather than vegetables for dinner if that's my only choice. But look, they're probably going to choose video games over the Discovery Channel. People are never going to make the best choice, or kids rather, are never going to make the best choice based on experience or knowledge. And frankly, adults often don't make the best choices because they may not be willing to make a sacrifice because they may not have enough experience or knowledge. Another example would be a teenager. Uh, if they had, uh, I, before text messaging was um, free, and now pretty much everybody has free text messaging, I asked one of our, our teenagers um, how many text messages she sent. She said 12,000 a month. 12,000 a month. That was probably not a good use of her time. And her parents' cell phone bill. So they're really based on maturity. So choice itself, having choice does not create independence. Learning what things are good and what things are bad, having experience and knowledge will create independence. What we see sometimes is a parent will say, well, you know, you can do this or this. I really think this is a good idea. That's called manipulation. So the kid knows by that strategy there, is that you're trying to manipulate them into a choice. So that doesn't really, that's not really a pure choice anyway. So that wouldn't be creating independence either. Choice doesn't create independence if manipulation is involved. Choice doesn't create independence if they're choosing video games over the Discovery Channel. Um, and it also doesn't increase discipline or good behavior. Habits are things that, uh, are they learned or are they easy or they easy or hard to get? Well, it depends. Bad habits are really easy to get. If somebody takes certain kind of drugs, those are habits that don't take any time at all. There's certain kind of drugs. If you take it one time, people are addicted forever. Those are easy habits to develop. Eating bad foods can be easy habits to develop. Good habits take time. So that's as parents, what we have to use now for adults it really ends up being the same thing. If we know that we've got to make better choices, we've got to use discipline to finally create the, the um, over time, the habits so that our choices become natural. So choice is a myth that choice creates 
independence and choice creates better self-esteem. Choice does not create better self-esteem. So very important, this is really a critical concept because in self-esteem, that's something that becomes problematic. Now let's talk about the next one that's even maybe a little bit more important. One thing I hear is that um, people aren't smart. And I know maybe that doesn't seem right that you don't hear people say that people aren't smart, but here's what I mean by that. Um, I think people are smart. Here's what I mean by this. Kids in a lot of environments, uh, let's say they're playing t-ball and I don't have anything against kids playing t-ball. I'd love them to do karate as well. But if kids are playing t-ball and they don't keep score, well, kids always know who won. If the kid hits a home run and the kid hits the ball really far, what happens? Everybody starts cheering really loud. If the kid hits the ball or misses the ball, they go, oh, it's okay. The kids know which are right. They know who won the game. It doesn't matter how old they are. They could be three years old. They still know who won the game. They know what reading group they're in, even if you call it blue and green reading group. Everybody knows which ones for the kids that are reading better. So they know inherently where they stand in life. It's better for us to be honest and transparent about those things to help build their self-esteem about what they're good at and then help them have goals to increase their capabilities. That's going to build solid, better self-esteem. Um, with adults, it's the same thing. Most adults will spend, or many adults, to be fair, will spend more time coming up with reasons why they're not accomplishing something instead of why they need to gain another skill. Uh, you guys all know these people. They're late to something and they'll tell you why it was the traffic or why it was um, their, their husband or wife was, was causing problems. Instead of just saying, hey, ap apologize for being late and doing something to make up for that or just being straightforward about it um, and being responsible for it. They spend more time on alibis than achievement. That's a phrase I like to use. So think about for our, for our own self and I have to catch myself doing it just like anybody else. Am I, am I, if I make a mistake or let somebody down, would I tell them why I'm not doing something or can I just make up for it or do try to do a better job or do a better job next time? All right. So people are smart about those things. They know if you're making an excuse, oh, it was traffic or it was my spouse or it was my something else. Other people know that. So it's better for us to just try to increase capabilities. All right. So let's talk about building self-esteem. Those are the myths. We talked about the myths. Um, affirmations don't work unless you're realistic, making sure that we um, are positive in the right way and the other things. So how do we build self-esteem? How do we actually fix this? So we're going to build the self-esteem through two big things. One is thoughts and the other is experiences. So those are the only two tools we have. So let's talk about them. First thought method number one. So what do we do with thought method number one? Now I'm bringing affirmations back. So affirmations of actual positive things and thinking about these a lot. So here's what happens. And we do this with uh, some of our instructor training. We talk about target behaviors we want with our students. And this is actually for us to train students in discipline, but it's a little bit different. We'll use it in this context here. And then we talk about off target behaviors when people aren't doing things right. And then there's another level if people are doing things really wrong. But these two levels of are you doing things right or are you doing things a little bit off and we're correcting you. So what we find is 
is that most people always live talking about these areas in the off target. I'm a little bit, uh, I did something a little bit wrong or I'm hungry. Something's, something's not quite right. And they'll do positive reinforcement, teachers, professionals, employers, everybody. They'll do positive reinforcement mostly when they're noticing something else was wrong. I'll give you an example. I'm a, uh, our martial arts instructors, we train them to be watching for this. But if somebody is doing something incorrect, we reinforce the kid that's doing it right. That's positive for everybody. The kid that's doing it correctly is happy because they got reinforced and the kid that's doing something a little bit off fixes the problem. No problem with that. So that's, that's great. We do that a lot. What we find though, is that when everybody's doing something right, when they're all on target, most of the time things get ignored. You got to think about this. And I surveyed some teachers that are friends of mine in my, in my doctoral program as I was with teachers all the time. And I said, well, when do you positively reinforce your, positively reinforce your students a lot? And they all said, of course. And I believe them. They do. They positively reinforce their kids. They're great teachers. They all were working on their doctorates, for goodness sake, and, and teaching. So they were very high-level teachers. And I said, well, when do you do that? And they started telling me examples. And almost all the examples they thought about were when they were noticing other behavior in the class that wasn't so hot, and they were reinforcing the kids that were doing it correctly. Nothing wrong with that. That's absolutely great, great uh, uh, thing to do. But I said, well, what about when the, the whole class was doing really good? What happens? Well, no, it's great when that's happening. We're continuing to learn. They mostly weren't reinforcing behavior then. So what my point is here is affirmation of things when everything's going great, most of the time people don't notice. An example of that is when you're when you're uh, hungry, you pay attention. When you're not hungry, when you're full and you've eaten your food, you don't think about eating. Your body and your mind don't notice when things are all going well. So what our challenge in building self-esteem is, if we're helping our kid with it or if we're helping ourselves with it, is to start noticing. Start noticing when everything's going good and those affirmations are incredibly powerful. When you're saying, wow, I've been doing really good exercising every day for the last three weeks. If you're doing that every day, most of the time, you don't pay attention to the fact that you're doing that. So those are things that can really be valuable. The second one is correcting incorrect thinking. So that's that false uh, or that incorrect belief area where you can do something, but you think you can't. This is where we can help our kids a lot. We can help other people a lot, and hopefully ourselves a little bit. Very frequently, we think things that we haven't, um, we, that, that are just not true. That we don't think we can, we think we don't think, we think um, we can't do something, but we can. So those are things that we have to constantly be fighting and correcting, constantly correcting incorrect thinking. And this is something that we have to be very close at paying attention to. So those are the two thought methods. One is affirmations and noticing when things are going right, being attentive to that, which is very, very difficult. It's not normal. Paying attention when you're full, paying attention when you're not hungry, when things are going good. And the second is correcting incorrect thinking. Okay, so I'm gonna give you a two minute psychology degree. 
And the easy way to catch things or to fix things is just catch things and correct them. You're thinking something wrong, you catch it and correct it. The more, the really fast thing I'm going to talk about here is just a really quick example. You can read more on it. You can read about a guy named Albert Ellis. And he talked about something called cognitive restructuring. And this is a, a real simple, it's not really simple in the long run, but you can read a little bit about it more. I'm going to give you a couple minutes and you're going to learn a lot about psychology. So you have an event where, let's just use an example here I'm going to use. Somebody broke your trust and the belief about it that can cause you problems is, might be, it's horrible and terrible. I can never get over it. I can't be their friend anymore. This is going to be really terrible. And it also, uh, it also means I can't be friends with other people because everybody's going to treat me like that. So that's a belief. The consequence is I'm going to be hurt and depressed. I'm going to be feeling bad because now I can't trust anybody. This is the consequence. So ABC, it's an ABC event, belief, consequence. Okay. The D on this dispute is, and A is actually antecedent, but we'll call it event. That's a little easier to remember. That's A is what started the thing. So think about that as A is just the beginning point. And then B is belief. C is consequence, D is dispute. So what we wanna do and get used to is disputing the belief. So it's horrible I never get over it, so that's why I'm feeling bad. The dispute is, it's tough, but I found out now and I can get through it. I'm not saying this is easy, but this is how we start, this is one of those affirmations, because it's true, that can help us get through these kind of things and help our self-esteem. So the new effect, the new result is, hey, you're still hurt and disappointed, but you're in control and you feel better because it's not the end of the world. You're not helpless. So that's something I recommend everybody, the adults, pay attention to. And if this was your child and they had a broken trust, one of their friends, you did something wrong to them, these are steps that you can help them learn and start coping with. And if you are examples for them and help them start to... Um, learn these things internally, they'll start by the time they're 18, hopefully 19, 20, or when they graduate college, they'll start being able to self do these, do these for themselves. Okay. So that's a two minute psychology degree. Um, again, I encourage you to do some more on that. It's in my book a little bit uh, on how to follow up with these kind of things as well. All right, more building self-esteem. So those are all the thought methods we talked about. Um, in correcting incorrect thinking. We talked about, let's review that really quick, um, affirmations of real positive things. And then we talked about Ellis's method, the cognitive restructuring. So those are three ways that we can help with our thoughts in building self-esteem. Now we're gonna talk about another way, really my favorite way of building self-esteem is with experiences. So experiential methods, and there's three main methods, gaining more experiences, accomplishments and learning. So let's talk about gaining experiences. Here, any kind of experiences help you build self-esteem if they're positive um, and even negative ones can help you gain self-esteem. So if you do something and fail, but you're okay, that helps you gain self-esteem. I survived something. Um, I survived the roller coaster. You were really scared going on a roller coaster. It was, you heard people screaming the first time you, if you remember when you first went on it, but then you went on it and it was really fun. Okay. It was also negative because it was really scary when you were going on it. That's gaining experience. What happens then? You go, oh, I, I like that. I want to go on one again. In fact, I want to go on the faster one. 
So that's gaining an experience that helps you build self-esteem so you want more new experiences and you're willing to try more things. That adds a capability. Now that's not learning a new language or becoming a black belt like we, we work on, but it's another step towards the direction of you having a bigger range of things that you're capable of. Another experience, so that might be roller coaster, I'll list that. Another one that I really love is, um, is uh, traveling. That's what I do with my son. So when he was four years old, we went on a trip to Costa Rica so he could, and then we put him in an immersion Spanish school for just a couple of weeks. And it wasn't really so he learned fluent Spanish because that's not enough time, but it's so he get experiences of being in a country that's poorer than ours. He get to see different places. He get to learn to fly. He um, would get to learn a little bit of Spanish and be comfortable with another language. I like just traveling and experiencing new people. Um, so, so those are different experiences. We'll just list a couple. I'll just list them like this. So when you, when you do things like that now, for example, he loves traveling and not that he has to, but if he meets somebody that's from another country, he'd be more comfortable with that person. So he's more able to build relationships with people that are different. So gaining experiences, and we could go on and on about examples of gaining new experiences would help you be more comfortable in a broader range of things. Again, building self-esteem. Accomplishments help you. Uh, when you get your high school diploma, you felt better. You felt like you, you um, grew another step in your life. That was another achievement, another thing that you could internally go, I'm a higher level of status because I achieved my high school diploma. Or you graduated college or when you, uh, our students get their black belt because very few people get your black belt. Um, if you wrote a book, then that would be a higher level of accomplishment. Only about 0.2% of people are authors. So that would be a, something uh, that, that people have as an accomplishment. Somebody um, climbing a mountain, that's an accomplishment. So you feel better about yourself, rightfully so, because you did something of importance. Now, if that achievement was something that you didn't care about, like the example I used, walking from here to the fridge and opening the fridge, well, that's not going to help your self-esteem. So that's a false sense of self-esteem because you didn't do something very exciting. Um, so accomplishments, accomplishments that are also meaningful to you and significant. What we find is people that have more accomplishments want to get more accomplishments. So when they're, when you're young, the, and as parents, when we get our kids as young people to gain more accomplishments, and by the way, more significant accomplishments for in our, in our world, becoming a black belt is a significant accomplishment. Uh, becoming a second degree black belt, becoming a third degree black belt. For some of our kids that learn to be in our leadership classes, these are just one examples. But for significant black belt, uh, for, for significant accomplishments, then they want to reach for more significant accomplishments. Um, and, and one thing I would tell you is it's not about being better than the people around you. But when your accomplishments are higher than the group that you're in, and again, it's not to compare yourself with the group, but when your accomplishments are higher, that your self-esteem goes up. We want to have people that look down on other people usually have lower, have false, self, uh, false sense of self-esteem. When your capabilities match your self-esteem, there's no reason to have a negative view of people that might not have the capabilities you have. Um, for example, if somebody has um, 
uh, you know, master's degree. Let's just use that as an example if we're thinking about college. And they have are very well skilled and they do their job well. Most of those people wouldn't go around thinking less of somebody who had a high school diploma and didn't have a college degree. There's no reason to because they, their capabilities match their learning. Maybe you know some people that don't follow that example, but hopefully you get the idea there. We want to have accomplishments and push ourselves and there's nothing wrong and it helps you to push yourself above and beyond what you see around you and there's, there's nothing wrong with that. Okay, learning's the other one. Um, and I guess I probably use some examples of learning in these examples, but learning more, gaining more knowledge helps our self-esteem. A lot of reasons. One reason is, is because we, it helps us process more information more quickly. We're able to manage more, which helps us with all the other things. It helps us with our thought processing in the other examples in building self-esteem. But if I know more languages, I'm going to feel more comfortable going to other countries. If I um, know how to work the computer, like the example I gave in the last podcast, then I'm going to feel more comfortable with those things. So that helps build self-esteem. Okay, hopefully those, make, those examples make some sense to you. Okay, so now if you fill in these boxes and you have good capabilities here in the I can do it feeling and I can do it actual capabilities, that's great. And then in these correct low self-esteem categories, you have missing capabilities and you know that they're missing. Now we can start to identify those and we know ways to get there. We can learn things, we can experience things, we can have achievements. That helps move our capabilities into this other box here, into the, into the capability box. Also, doing all these things and fixing our thoughts and fixing the, uh, what, the way we're operating in terms of getting more achievements and learning help fix these incorrect beliefs and the false self-esteem so that we move the incorrect beliefs into the capabilities section, into the I can do it, and I am actually capable of doing it. So we move the incorrect beliefs into the I can do it and I'm capable box. And then we move the false self-esteem where we actually can't do things and we believe we can into the missing capability box. So that's where we wanna move everything. We wanna move, if I redraw this a little bit, the capabilities into the, the missing capabilities in the capability box. We want to move the false self-esteem into the missing capability list because we're properly recognizing them. And we want to move the incorrect beliefs about what we can't do into the can-do box because we actually can do them. And we, we know we can achieve those things. Uh, so this is, the, this is the model for building self-esteem. And this is the flow for how to do it. So I think when you look at it this way, it's pretty simple about how you grow and how you build confidence and self-esteem. Okay, if you have questions on these things, then again, you can contact me in a lot of different ways. If you've gotten the podcast, you can find a way to contact me at my, at my uh, email address. And we'd love to give you more information on this. Okay, give you some examples on how we would practice this in our school. One way we do this is we break boards. And I'll just give you this one example. So when you break boards, we have different levels of boards that are different levels of difficulty. So for me, when I tested for eighth degree black belt, I had to break 
really difficult boards and I chose pretty difficult breaks to, to pretty difficult, difficult techniques to um, do the board breaks with. And we can, we can vary this so it's more challenging or less challenging. But we'll do this with somebody that's brand new, that's never broken a board before. And in fact, in the group of martial artists that I work with, we, you, we uh, did a board break with President Bill Clinton when he was governor of Arkansas. So we taught them to do this. And this is something somebody, President, well, Governor Clinton at the time, had never done before. He had never even thought of breaking a board before. And we taught him the technique to break the board. And he broke the board. And after he did it, you could see on his face that he was thrilled that he had accomplished this. So this is an example of gaining an experience. It wasn't really gaining too much of a skill because we only taught him a couple things. It was gaining an experience and having him feel like and know that if he wanted to do more of it, if he wanted to do this skill, it, it was um, possible. So what that means is at this point, he probably was here. He didn't think he could do any of these things, but he could. So he moved from an incorrect belief into a correct high self-esteem belief. He was more capable of something. So that's why he felt great about it when it happened. I probably should have the picture for you guys for that. Audio guys, you won't be able to hear it. So just as a summary, kind of what we covered in both the podcast before and this one, what self-esteem is, it's complicated in a lot of documentation that you read. You're gonna hear lots and lots of definitions. In our view, it's feeling great about myself, but you're feeling great about yourself, the more, comp the more detailed explanation about that is because of proper beliefs and higher capabilities. We're gaining capabilities and we understand them really well. We wanna avoid the myths that we talked about and we have five ways to develop self-esteem, two thought ways that we want to um, correct other beliefs and proper affirmations and three uh, experiential ways, which is to gain more experiences, achievements, and learning. So you want to develop the, you want to develop your self-esteem with those five ways to move them into the proper box so that we have, we really want them into the capability box or we want them to understandably missing capability box. So we have a good knowledge about what we're missing and make sure you apply all of these in this way here, in, in the ways that we've talked about. Okay, hopefully that was incredibly helpful for you guys. It was great for me to go through that with you. And you found, hopefully you found a lot of use from everything that we did today. All right, hope everybody has a great day and we'll look forward to the next podcast where we get to work with you. And my pleasure of working with everybody as always.